Hey, this is Steve Allen. I'm the pastor of Destiny Christian Center in Laplace, Louisiana. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Discovering Your Destiny broadcast. I hope it builds your faith, helps you to grow in every area of your life. Enjoy this message. We're in a series of messages entitled, We're Known by This. Our foundational text for this uh, series is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye love uh, one another, also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, we've been in this love series for some time now. Uh, Last week, I started a part of this series um, that talked about human love versus God's love. Um, I have a second part to the human love versus God's love uh, lesson. But in in that lesson, I'm going to deal with different types of love. We're going to start another part of this love series. Uh, In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, And then, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Uh, The next part of this series is going to talk about the sincerity of your love for God. The sincerity of your love for God. So, Here's the question that we're going to be asking and answering for the next few weeks. Do you really love God? Ask somebody that. Do you really love God? Now, I want you to put emphasis on really when you ask him that. Look at him and say, do you really love God? Now, I I want to say this before I, I get into my lesson. I was in the shower this morning. And the Lord said something to me to say in these services today. The Lord told me to say this, until you put him first, what you do or what you do put first won't work. You need to hear that. The Lord told me this this morning. He says, until you put him first, what you do put first won't work. God has to be first. Um, Now, I want everybody to ask themselves this question, do I really love God? And and inwardly, I want you to ask this question. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 8. It says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of of your love. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, I give this not as an order to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the zeal of others, the sincerity of your own love also. Now, most of you today, if you were asked the question, do you really love God? I'm sure that most of you would say, Pastor, really? You're going to ask me a question like that? You you really, I really got up this morning, got dressed, pressed my way to get here so you could ask me such a question? 
do I really love God? Of course I love God. But the next question is, how do you know? How do you know that you really love God? I'm sure glad I have all, well, y'all looking at me so strong today. So strong. Go to, to John chapter 14 and verse number 21. We're going to read verse 21, and then we'll read the A part of verse 23. And Jesus is speaking. Listen, listen to what he says. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Now in 1 John 5 and 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then in 2 John chapter 6, it says, well, 2 John 6, it says, And this is love, that we walk after or in obedience to his commandments. So, in the word of God, it tells us to love God is to obey him. Love for God equals obedience. And to be honest with you, we really can't go any further with talking about loving each other and talking about being kind with each other until we really answer the question, do we really love God? Now, there are several areas that we want to evaluate that's going to answer the question of whether we love God or not. Um, let's look at a, a scripture that we're familiar with. Go to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Very familiar story. Listen to this. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the sea, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ships. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nest. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a, a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of fish which they had taken. Here is the first area of evaluation. To love God means to choose continually to obey God's word and not our own thoughts, our own emotions or desires that are prompting us to go in an opposite direction. Did you get that? 
Did you write that down? Would you like for me to say it again? I think you should just get the CD. No, I'll say it again. To love God means to choose continually to obey God's word and not our own thoughts, emotions, or desires that are prompting us to go in an opposite direction. Now, in our text, Jesus is instructing Peter to do something that is out of the ordinary. He says, let down your nets for a draught. And now there's a rule. Only fish at night because fish could see the nets during the daytime. But Jesus is commanding them to do something that contradicts the natural way of doing things or the natural way of thinking. And really, if, if you had really asked Peter what he thought about this, Peter probably would say, this is not going to work. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever felt like something God instructed you to do wasn't going to work or it didn't make sense? Come on, can we just be honest? Have you ever read something in the Bible and you says, man, that ain't going to work? Or you read something in the Bible and you says, that don't make sense. When God told you to forgive somebody, or maybe this has happened to you because it's happened to me several times. When God told you to give something away rather than selling it, and you're looking at God like, God, you know I need these monies. <laughs> you're talking about give this away. It don't make sense. And oftentimes, oftentimes when God instructs us to do something, it goes totally against what we think. Now, I'll tell you something else on the emotional side. Peter really didn't feel like any more fishing. You hear it in his voice. You hear the frustration in his voice. We've toiled all night. It ain't time for no more fishing. It's time to sleep. He didn't feel like it. You know, people can fake when they come around the church. Y'all know. You, you know, you, your neighbor ain't going to judge you because your neighbor didn't want to come either. I got to be honest with you. There are a whole lot of, t- a whole lot of times I don't want to come to church. I don't want to come here and hear me. Today, this morning, I, I'll tell you, man, there's no day during the week that feels better than a Sunday morning. Come on, man. Y'all just be honest. Wait, wait, let's just be honest from a natural standpoint. Man, that, that pillow, oh my God. I, that pillow felt so good this morning. I'm like, Jesus, baby, go preach for me. Lord, I'm, I'm going to stay here with the dogs. I, I'm not, I ain't going. Listen, you ain't going to always feel like it. There's been times that God told me to do things and I just didn't want to do it. There are going to be times when God instructs you to do something and you're not going to want to do it. Now, whatever you do at that point will be the indicator of whether you love God or not. See, when God's instructions go against your way of thinking and you say yes to God's way, it is at that point that you've proven that you love God. I'm talking about when you really don't feel like reading. I'm talking about when you really don't feel like praying. You ever prayed and you didn't feel like praying? Boy, y'all gonna play with me today, huh? 
You ever prayed and you didn't feel like praying? You ever, you ever was getting ready to go to bed and you know, you normally, maybe you bow down on your knees and you're like, Lord, look, I'm going to just talk to you from this bed tonight. Like, hey, hey, can, hey, can I just talk to you? Can I lay here? Can I just lay here and talk to you? Who said, hey, hey, then you start, you know, negotiating. Who said you had to bow down to pray? I ain't seen that in the Bible. You ever fasted and didn't feel like it? Did you, have you ever forgiven and you didn't feel like it? You ever gave and you didn't feel like it? And, and let me be, let me be, let me be transparent. I, I've been tested in this area a lot. I, I've had times where I just, I felt like I had the right to go off on some folk. But instead of me showing them Steve, I showed them God. Amen, amen. Because in, in Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22, it says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If they be thirsty, give him water to drink. And in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord will reward you. See, in other words, you keep loving because God says so, and those folk would have to deal with it, and you won't have to deal with it. You just have to tell somebody, just obey what God tells you to do. When you go against your feelings in order to obey God, that's a sign of love. So the question is, look at your neighbor and ask him this again. Do you really love God? Here's the second area of evaluation that will answer whether you love God or not. To love God means to set aside or relinquish our own momentary happiness or pleasure in order to obey God. I'll say it again. To love God means to set aside or relinquish our own momentary happiness or pleasure in order to obey God. What is it that's standing in the way of your obedience? What momentary pleasure... Or what momentary happiness is it that's standing in the way of your obedience? Is it a relationship? Is it a habit? Is it an activity? The question is, are you willing to suffer momentary discomfort in order to obey God? Because I'll tell you this. I'll be the first to tell you that most of the time being right or doing what God tells you to do won't feel good. Now, if you want to talk about feelings, most of the time disobedience feels good. Okay. All right. I'm going to just get out here by myself. Sin feels good. To the flesh. I'm going to talk to these people, y'all. Sin feels good to the flesh. See, they've never sinned before, so they don't know. Come on, man. If we just be honest, if you just be honest, 
Sin feels good to the flesh. When I was in, man, when I was living a, a crazy life, my flesh was like, yes. But I can't let my flesh dictate the terms of my existence. So God is saying the things that you enjoy, the things that bring you momentary happiness, but it's totally opposite of what the word says. God says, if you really love me, let it go. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Come on, let's just be honest. It feels good getting back at folk that's been treating you wrong. It feels good. It feels good to clap back. <laughs> yeah. Did you see me, girl? I, I, I told him on Instagram. <laughs> I let him have it. Oh, I want to just sit back and take that. You know me. I, I got it off my chest. But the word says, I'm supposed to do good for those that misuse me. And if I really love the Lord, my obedience will override my feelings. I want you to hear this statement. I want you to hear this statement and take this home with you. In order to cease from sin, you must make your flesh suffer. In order to cease from sin, you've got to make your flesh suffer. Because your flesh is going to want to do the opposite of what God's word says. So, so I got to, I got to show this flesh that you are not going to rule my life. That's why it's important that you get as much word as possible. You have to hear this. We are spirits that live in bodies. These bodies are the houses that we live in. These bodies are not supposed to be in control of our lives. We are, our flesh is not supposed to be crowned as king in our lives. We're supposed to be able to tell this flesh what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. Now listen to me. The way you strengthen your spirit is by the word of God. The more words you get, the stronger you're going to be spiritually. So you'll be able to tell this body it's not going to go here. It's not going to do that. It's not going to say that. It's not going to entertain this because you have your spirit strong. Now when you don't get word, you become all flesh. Then you, now your life is dictated by your flesh. You don't get any word. I'm telling you from personal experience. I grew up in church. I was a deacon at 12 years old. They have pictures. You need to see these pictures. I was a 12-year-old boy sitting on the deacon board with all these old men. I had on a green, I, I remember this certain picture, I had on a green double-knit suit. Hot. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the deacon board with all of these old men. So I grew up in church. I knew nothing but church. I was getting the word when I was a kid. But I got away from church when I moved to Atlanta and got in the sports business. So now I'm running after fame and fortune. And I'm not getting the word. 
and I become all flesh. I find myself asking questions. How in the world did I get from the deacon board to way over here? What happened? How did I get from being the little young deacon that everybody respected to being this guy over here doing all kinds of stuff? How did it happen? Because I wasn't feeding my spirit man. And my flesh was taking control. I didn't take time out for the word. Everything else became more important to me. I was more concerned about making money. I was more concerned about being famous. Here I am, little kid on the deacon board. Now, I'm in a place making it rain. I went from the deacon board to drinking crown every day. I went from the deacon board to rolling up cigarettes at the crib. Okay, okay. I'm going to let y'all out. I'm going to let y'all just... Yeah, you got it? You got it? Wasn't Salem's either. Or what are some other names of cigarettes? Uh-huh, okay. Come on, give me yours. Cool, sorry. <laughs> but I got out there... Because I stopped feeding my spirit man. If you don't feed that spirit man, that flesh will find its way doing all kinds of things. And before you know it, you'll be out in a far country like the the prodigal son trying to figure out what happened to me. How did I get way out here? There gotta be times that when obeying God means that you're going to feel like a fool. Come on, come on, come on. But that's what love is all about. You see, this will be the time that says whether it's about you or whether it's about God. And let's just get real. To hold on to what God says let go of says that I love me more than I love God. Ask your neighbor again. Ask him, do you really love God? Now look back at him and say, then let it go. Y'all didn't say that forcefully enough. Ask him, say, ask your neighbor, say, do you really love God? Then let it go. And listen to me. Let it go without any upfront guarantees. Because I want you to get this. God sometimes conceals blessings until after the test is passed. That's good. Now, he has a blessing, but you won't see it. Listen to me. You know the difference in religion and relationship? It's motive. See, the actions can be the same, but the motives are different. Religion is based on rules. Relationship is based on love. Sometimes God conceals the blessing just to see if you love him or what he can do. God don't want you to treat him like a sugar daddy. It's all about what you can get out of God. You, you, you act like you love him 
You ever had anybody act like they love you only because of what you were doing for them? But when they were, when they, it seemed like they were on top, they thought they were on top, they didn't want nothing to do with you, but when they got on the bottom, that's when they act like they really love you. A lot of people treat God like that. The difference between relationship and religion is motives. So sometimes God has to conceal blessings just to see if you love him or you just love what he can do. Third area of evaluation that will answer the question of whether you love God or not is, listen to this, to love God means to demonstrate a shameless refusal to compromise our godly convictions or to negotiate our spiritual position for the sake of popularity or acceptance. I'll say it again. To love God means to demonstrate a shameless refusal to compromise our godly convictions or to negotiate our spiritual positions for the sake of popularity or acceptance. Go to John chapter 12 for me. John chapter 12 verses 42 and 43. Listen to this. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they shouldn't be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Bible says that there were religious men who really recognized Jesus as being the Messiah. But they would not publicly acknowledge him because they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. Now, let me share this with you. When I first started pastoring, I was a, a little naive because I thought that if you did right by people, they would like you. But I found out that it didn't matter. Folk will criticize you no matter what. And at one point, the Lord said to me, you're too concerned about what people think. And he told me that I had to be willing to do and say what he told me to do, no matter what people thought. Now, I I want you to know, if you're going to love Jesus, there will be days of affliction and there will be days of persecution. Please, I know you don't want to hear that. But if you're going to love Jesus for real, there's going to be days of affliction and there are going to be days of persecution. If you're going to identify with Jesus, go to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Let me show you this. Listen to what it says. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. I want to read that eighth verse in the Amplified Bible. It says that do not blush or be ashamed then to testify to or for our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But with me, take your share of suffering to which the, to which the preaching of the gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God. Now, this life of following Jesus comes with a lot of blessings, but please understand, with the blessing comes persecution. 
So do you really love God? And if you do, you have to demonstrate a shameless refusal to compromise your godly conviction or to negotiate your spiritual position for the sake of popularity or acceptance. And we live in a time where everybody's concerned about being popular. Everybody. That's what social media is all about. Social media is about all of us being popular. And the question is... Will you sacrifice your standards to be popular? Let me, t- let me say something to you, believers, Christian people. The world is watching us. They're not just watching us in church. You know how you go now? You can't even get a job without them looking at your page. They want to know about your character. They want to know what kind of person you are. And they feel like if they can go to your social media page, it will tell them a lot about who you really are. Well, guess what? The world wants to know who you really are, too. The world is watching you. They know you come to church on Sundays. But they want to know how you're living on Monday. So they'll look at your page to see. And listen to me, I I don't want to be guilty of this. I don't want to be guilty of being a Christian here and being something else on social media. Because, listen to me, people are in need of help. So wouldn't you want your page to be the page that they look at and say, well, look, I know this person here always has a word of encouragement. Let me look at their page because I'm going through something right now, but maybe I'll be able to find something on their page that will help me to get over what I'm going through. And then they go to your Christian page. (laughs) And what do they find? Some people mad with me right now. You need to, ooh, you need to see where some people are looking at me. I'm gonna look at your page as soon as I leave here. The way y'all looking at me. <laughs> but we do everything. You know, some people live for a like. I mean, I, I'm going to put this up here. I don't know how many likes I got. How many followers do I have? You don't have to be, you don't have to be nothing special these days to get followers. All you have to do is be a fool. A fool got a lot of followers. They got a little, little, little girl I saw this past week called Lil Tay. Y'all, anybody ever heard of Lil Tay? Some of y'all look at me. Ooh, what? Don't don't look it up. Go wait till you get home. <laughs> Foolish little child, nine years old, has become popular by saying all kinds of vulgar. Nine years old, all kinds of vulgar stuff. How you living? You ain't got nothing. I got this Bentley. You ain't got nothing. You ain't living like nothing. And everybody loves this foolishness. And we've fallen into the same trap where we want to be popular. 
but you can't be popular in the world and powerful in the kingdom. That's why all of these reality shows are so popular. Because it's foolishness and drama. It's drama, and we love it. Oh, God. Let me me just stop here for a second. We love it. And we sit around and we fill our minds and our spirits with all of this stuff. We entertain all of this stuff and we want to know why we're saying mm, foolish stuff and acting a fool. Well, you you can only pull up what's been downloaded. We're in a culture now where everybody wants to be popular. Let me tell you something. I may not be the most popular person in this world, but all I really want is to hear him say, servant of God, well done. See, because the truth is, and this is still not right, the truth is, all this stuff is going to come to an end. (laughs) One day your likes ain't going to matter. One day... The only followers that's going to really matter is those that followed you to God. One day, the only thing that's going to matter is what have you done for the kingdom? You try to get people to follow you, but where are you leading them to? Because if you're, you're getting people to follow you and you're not leading them to the real leader, you're wasting your time. But listen to me. Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. You may not be the most popular, but your power will be undeniable. See, I, I want to be so powerful when I tell the devil to back up, he's got to listen. I want, to be pow- I want to be powerful enough to tell the enemy, you're going to take your hands off my body. But see, when you, when you, when you don't have any power, he'll look at you like he looked at those seven sons of Sceva. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who is this fool trying to tell me something? Because you're not speaking with any authority. You're not speaking with any power. We have got to concern ourselves with the life after here. We're leaving all of this stuff behind. We act like we live here and we act like this is the end of the story. And we, we sacrifice all of our efforts and all of our energy for this world. That's fading away every day. What have you done for your eternal life? And then the question is, when you get to heaven, how many people are going to be there because you led them? Because God didn't just save you just to say that you can walk around and say you're saved. You're supposed, sheep beget sheep. You're supposed to be leading other folk to Christ. Where are you leading people? Talked about reality shows. If you had a camera following you all day, I'll sit back and listen. They had a reality show out a couple years ago called Preachers of L.A. They called the office here. They wrote me letters. 
uh, from the Oxygen Network saying, we're the people that have the preachers of LA and we're getting ready to do the preachers of Louisiana and we'd like for you to be a part of it. And I said, y'all think that I want cameras following me around all day. You got to be crazy. See, because listen, they, what they want is drama. They, see, they, they don't want to catch this. They want to catch me behind the scenes when me and First Lady are having heated fellowship. Oh, yeah, we have heated fellowship like everybody else. Yeah, they, want, they want to catch me the time that, that, that I told First Lady, look, uh, if you're going to take Reuben out to walk, you're going to let, let him go out to walk, put him on the leash. And then she go out, and Reuben is running all over the neighborhood, and I walk out in the front door, and, I, and she running behind Reuben. And I said, didn't I tell you to put that dog on the leash? And she turned back and said, don't you talk to me that way. And I'm, and I'm looking like, Lord Jesus, the neighbors are watching. Then I, look, I start backing up real slow back in the house. And I got to be honest, I said, Reuben, run her. Run her all around the neighborhood. Run her, Reuben. Run, baby, run, Reuben. <laughs> That's what they want. That's what they want. They want drama. They want drama. But the question is, if we really had a physical camera watching us, how would we live? Think about it. If you had a man with a camera all the time, following your every step, recording your every word, how would that change the way you live? You want to say something, you're like, ooh, that camera. You, you'd attempt to go certain places. Oh, no, I don't want nobody to see that. Well, here's the truth. There is a camera. That's watching your every move. And the Bible even says that you're going to give them the count of every word. And when the camera rolls your life, what will the story be? Do you love God? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, when you think about how much he loves you, when you think about how you could have died in your foolishness, it ought to make you want to please him with your life. I've had accidents, man. I, I, I saw a picture yesterday where I had a motorcycle accident, and uh, I was, man, I, I had uh, arm all messed up, leg all messed up, plastic surgery on my face. And, but I think about how that could have been it. But God had an angel to snatch me from under a car. And you mean to tell me I'm going to look back at all of that and not please him with my life? I'm not the only one. Think how many times he protected you. And 
then if you really want to know the truth, there's things that didn't happen to you that you don't even know about that he protected you from. Do you love him? Keep his commandment. You know he loves you. We love the song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, the Bible tells me so. But the question is, does me love Jesus? Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd love for you to do. First, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us to continue to reach others, visit our website at destinychristian.org slash radio. That's destinychristian.org slash radio. I'll see you next time on Discovering Your Destiny with Steve Allen.